Hi, I'm Bernard Leong and you may know me as the executive who used to run post offices which offers remittance services and in my spare time, I want to know how remittances and money transfer has evolved in Asia Pacific. You're listening to Analyze Asia, the weekly podcast dedicated to business, technology and media in Asia and today I have Molly Sher, General Manager from Western Union, Asia Pacific. Welcome Molly and it's great to have you here for the first time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bernard, for inviting me to speak on my first podcast. I'm very excited. And we met two years back when the opening of the General Post Office in Singapore. I have Hikmet Esik, which is a group CEO, who came by to visit us. And we were talking about using one of the post office sand machines. We call it the SingPost Automated Machines to actually do money transfers. And that was a pretty good experience that we have. So it's great to have you here. And I also want to get to know you better because we bumped into each other last year in the Bloomberg Conference. So how do you start your career? Oh boy, many, many years ago. I'll start with that. <laughs> so I, I started my career right out of graduate school with Deloitte and Touche. And I, I, my first role was actually in Brazil. I grew up in a, a really small town, but I was very fortunate that I traveled the world as a child. One of nine children, but my father worked internationally and would always take one of us or all of us on his trips. So I was very fortunate to realize early on that the world was much bigger than the town of our Cola, Illinois, 2,800 people. I soon learned that I wanted to be part of that broader, you know, global economy and, and landscape and really, really understand how to work and live in different cultures. So I started that first role. It was really an internship and I had to learn Portuguese. I already spoke Spanish. So I worked and lived in Brazil for about a year and just really enjoyed the opportunity that gave me. I moved from there into working for a pharmaceutical in uh, New Jersey and the opportunity there that was so exciting to me. It was internal audit, which all my friends at the time we graduated were like, why are you going into internal audit? And I said, well, first of all, no one else is hiring right now. And those are all my offers. And secondly, it really allowed me to get close to a company, but not in a small micro way, but in a macro way. I was exposed and going around, touring the world, going to their plants, going to their operations, and getting to see how the whole business worked. Not just one small aspect, but I was really exposed to the holistic company and how important it was for those companies in those geographies to cater to the customer needs of that country. It's easy to sit in a global headquarters somewhere and tell people what you think needs to be done, but it's understanding and listening to customers' needs in those geographies that's most critical. That's what you really know you have to what you have to do, how to do it, and, and how to best you know approach the, the market and the needs. That gave me a really good glimpse as to a, an entire company. And then I had the opportunity after about four years with Sharing Plow to move into a finance role. And it was actually, I got married and was found myself in Denver, Colorado for the first time. And back in that day, and that was probably the early 90s, 94 actually, there weren't a lot of international companies there. And I had this global experience spoke Spanish and Portuguese, and got married, landed in Denver, and said, oh boy, what am I going to do? And I just happened to run into First Data Corporation, who was looking, at the time, they were looking at buying Western Union, and they were looking for people that had an international background. So it was just luck, uh, more than anything, and good timing, that I I landed at First Data. And there, I really had the opportunity, kind of building the product at the time, which was MoneyGram. We were competing against Western Union, building up the MoneyGram product, and I was at the ground floor of of kind of helping build that and 
over time, what we realized is that we really wanted to, to buy Western Union. So we, you know, after many years of going back and forth, we, we finally ended up and there was an acquisition and I ended up on the Western Union side of the business. So i have now in my 24th year with Western Union, but the real fun part about those 24 years have been watching this company grow. And they're 168 years old, Western Union we are, and I'm 24 years already with them. And the opportunities that I've had in those 24 years have been phenomenal to just grow, once again, seeing the holistic company, but then being exposed to opportunities to really grow in my career have been phenomenal. How did you end up from the U.S. come to Asia? So Asia, yeah, especially after you know envisioning myself, you know, knowing Spanish and Portuguese, thinking I'd end up in South America. I actually first ended up in Ireland. I was the managing director of our international operations when we first set up that facility in 2003. So that was kind of my first foray into my first expat assignment with with the company. And it was a phenomenal experience. When I finished that assignment, I did have uh, finance responsibilities for all of America. So I traveled significantly to Latin America. So I was able to use my language abilities again. And then really the way I ended up in Asia was really just waiting for the right opportunity. You learn over time that languages are very important, but also that opportunities are important. So so when the opportunity to move to to Asia came up, it was actually a role very different than the role I was in at the time. I had been head of the global finance organization, so global responsibility, but within a function, so so very heavy in finance. And I, I always knew I wanted to be on the business, and a couple of opportunities had come along. I didn't always feel like they were the right opportunity, either from a personal family perspective, you know, timing has to be right there, or even just the opportunity. So when this opportunity, and the first opportunity that I had to move to Singapore four years ago was I was head of the digital expansion. So our digital efforts in Middle East, Africa, and all of Asia Pacific. That's what I started off. That was my first role when I moved here. And that was a role too big and too exciting to pass up. And that was the first role that got me to Singapore. And then in subsequent to that, we decided to move the responsibility for digital and retail to more of a regional approach. So that's when I became the head of Asia Pacific for retail and digital for global money transfer. You have a very broad experience, so you've done internal auditing, you do digital experience, and now you're managing the entire Asia-Pacific. I want to ask you, throughout your career journey, what are the interesting lessons you can share with my audience? Oh, a lot of lessons. Do we have enough time? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think first and foremost, you have to take advantage of every opportunity given to you. But opportunities don't always just jump on your table and on your lap. You've really got to go out and seek them. And that means being open to something that you might not necessarily think you're qualified for. As a female, um, that tends to be a little bit more difficult. We always like to make sure that we're 110% before we, we delve into anything. But I think that I've had that just ability to really understand that I'm not going to improve. The tools in my toolbox are not going to be sharpened unless I really get out there and try something new. In fact, doing a podcast, some Something new and different, right? Until I do it, uh, you're never going to know if you can. So you really need to go out and you need to try new experiences. And you need to do lateral things. I think we've all grown up thinking, oh, this is life's this big ladder and we got to constantly be, be climbing it to make sure that we're developing. But it's not necessarily you know, hierarchical how you want to approach your career. You want to add those tools to your toolbox so that, so that you're prepared for anything and that you can uh, think more critically. I think one of the skill 
sets that's missing in the world today, and I see it more and more in the younger generation, is so many things have been given them. They haven't had to work for it or they haven't had to think outside of the box because life's been easy. You've got to go out and make life hard for yourself. You've got to find ways to solve problems and you've got to be creative. And to be creative, you have to have a lot of different experiences. And that's what I've always tried to go get. That's right. And I think that's a very good set of lessons I think my audience will actually will learn from listening to you. So today I want to come to the main subject of the day, which is Western Union in Asia Pacific. And we want to talk a little bit about the trends in fintech. I would like to first introduce Western Union. Western Union is a U.S. financial services and communications company. It was founded in 1851 and is currently a listed company in the New York Stock Exchange that focuses on various services such as wire transfers, money transfers, and all remittances, we call it in this part of the world, transfer tracking, price estimation. Of course, there are many things I probably would have left out. And you're probably better to educate me on that. Hickman Ozek is the current CEO. We we'll actually have the very good opportunity to meet yes. to you. Quite dynamic, yes, isn't he? That's right, he's great. So I want to ask you first, can you introduce Western Union to my audience and what is its current mission and vision? So Western Union helps people move money and, and move money for a better world. You know, we really want to be the leader in cross-border, cross-currency money transfer, and, and that is what, what we do. Because we really believe that when money moves, better things happen. You know, a business expands, a family connects, a child goes to college, emergency aid arrives in a moment that it's needed, and an economy prospers. An opportunity opens, a community heals. We're really moving money for a better world and creating value for business and for society as a whole. And it's that purpose that really unites us as a company. And we believe nobody does that better than Western Union. And true, uh, because the helper to my family typically goes through a Western Union office to take yes. money transfers every month. So it is probably what the value of the company is. I know you have done digital experience and move on to do general management for the region. What's your current role and coverage within Western Union itself? So I currently am the senior vice president and the global head of money transfer for Asia Pacific. So I've got from South Asia, China, all the way down New Zealand, 48 some odd countries, I think, you know, depending upon <laughs> any regulatory, you know, changes that may be happening. But yeah, so it's a very big territory. And what I like to tell you know, Hickman, is it represents over 50% of the world population, which is just phenomenal. And not only that, but if you, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if you look at GDPs and, and, and the economies that are growing, it's in this region. So it's a super exciting place to be. And the innovation that is happening here, you've heard me talk about it. It's unlike any region in the world, I think, right now, especially in the payment space. How does Western Union operate in Asia Pacific? I mean, maybe the, the right question to ask is, what's your current footprint? You have a very big geographic coverage, includes right. China as well. I mean, yep. uh, depends Asia Pacific. That we probably <laughs> know different people who hear some Asia Pacific means different things, right? Sometimes it does. Sometimes you have China, you have India, and then they have the rest of Asia. How does the Western Union operate across Asia Pacific itself. So it is, you're right, there are so many different definitions, but we, we do include China and India, so hence the fi over 50% of the world population. But from a retail location perspective, I manage over 233,000 retail agent locations where money can be moved, you know, cash can be transmitted and customers can send money transfer in person. And then on top of that, so 
on the digital front, we've rolled out services in approximately 14 countries. We're, we're in Australia, New Zealand, and Hong Kong. And then most recently, we've launched in Malaysia, Singapore. And then across the Pacific Islands, interestingly enough, we've got Fiji, Vanuatu, Western Samoa, Tonga, East Timor, and Solomon Islands. So we've got quite a reach, not only from a retail network distribution, but also our digital footprint, which are continuing to launch day by day. My very primitive understanding is that the customers of Western Union are people who actually need to do money transfers to countries where it's very difficult to actually access money, where it typically could be the unbanked. But yeah. obviously, it's much bigger than that. Maybe can you tell me more about who are the customers of Western Union and how do they access your products and services in the region? Yeah, absolutely. So the need to move money across currencies and, and borders has never been more relevant to more kinds of people and to more businesses than it is today in that global economy. So from entrepreneurs who use Western Union you know, to navigate commerce in a global economy or to a father or mother sending money home to support a child's education like your helper and mine, and to international firms that rely on Western Union to handle payrolls across currency and across continents, you know, all the way to digitally savvy global citizens who really recognize the value and security that we offer uh, with our money transfers. So our customers and clients have profiles uh, profiles that are as varied as their needs for moving money cross-border. And it's across the many different segments of customers we serve is that we really share trust. It's trust in Western Union that's so valuable. So our consumers really include people who trust us to send money to their families conveniently and affordably across the country, around the world, and to savvy global citizens that are looking for the best rate in money transfer, and also to heroic individuals in search of opportunities that use Western Union to send money they earn to their family back home. What are the type of products and services, for example, like in business, how do you help to solve the customer pain points? Like, for example, our helpers usually go to a Western Union outlet and basically do the transfer. And I think one of the most underappreciated thing is the distributed networks of Western Union. Yeah. I think that's something that people don't think about, that actually to get money even from like a place from whether it's Philippines, Indonesia, yeah. or Fiji out there, it's yeah. actually a very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah. It's so important that you have an omni-channel offering. To your point, in many of these Pacific islands, there are no bank locations, right, on the islands in some places. And, and then on the send side, you've got to have an omni-channel experience for the all the different customers that I spoke to. I can talk to, you know, an entrepreneur, he's not going to want to, he or she's not going to want to go get cash out to walk to a retail location to send money abroad. They're going to want to sit and have the comfort needs of their home and be able to move money from their bank account to then to another bank account or to cash or to an e-wallet. So it's really that omni-channel, not only on the pay-in side. So what we try to do is offer our customers choice and control, whether they want to pay in cash at a retail location from a bank account, from, from a debit card, a credit card, or a wallet, I want to have a multiple ways that they can, they can interact with my brand and be able to send money. So I want to have an app. The app allows them to choose. Do you want to pay in cash? You can stage your entire transaction on our app, but still go choose to pay in retail with cash or to fund it with the other methods like the bank account, credit card, debit card, e-wallet, mobile, you know, but then also send it and have it paid out in the method that you want. So if your loved one doesn't have access to a bank and they want to pick it up in cash, we're there. 
for over 550,000 agent locations worldwide. If you want to send it to a wallet, we're in many jurisdictions where you can pay into a mobile wallet or to a bank account. It's having that choice and control that is really important so that on the send side, you're there and people can choose how they want to interact with you. But most importantly, on the receive side, that there are options as well. Of course, you have done the digital part. So I want to ask you, how does Western Union actually integrate the digital into the current offerings? And I remember the experience when we collaborated together. Oh, yes, the kiosk. Yeah. Kiosk to actually do the money transfers. And I think that that was one interesting exercise. And I was very glad that you're actually open to the idea of doing this. And, <laughs> and probably we also, learned, we also benefited from a lot of your experiences from Dubai. So we've done similar yep. thing with sending money through kiosks as well at that point in time. We have a strong brand, which stands for speed, convenience, and reliability for our customers. And like I've said, we can connect the digital with the physical. So it's taking that online presence with our retail distribution network in over 200 countries and territories and the half a million retail agent locations that I've talked about. And then our digital capabilities really allow us to send money then into the billions of accounts across the world and select mobile wallets around the world. So it's linking that physical and digital network to scale services to virtually anywhere in the world that is our strength. You know, few companies command this level of global brand ubiquity. It's really important that we continue to really drive on that physical and, and digital and, and really bringing it together all across the world, giving the customers the ability to move to a digital experience. So we're there retail, but allowing them to move to that digital experience and still paying cash, but really helps them control the, or us control the customer experience. Sometimes it's difficult when you're managing all these locations to to really drive the customer experience that you want as a brand. Digital really helps us do that, which is, which is really a strong asset to, to really have some of that to where you can help them with you know tracking a transfer, a price estimator. So they, they have all that knowledge before they even go into a retail location. Those things are really important. So really the today is, is that the reach and capabilities of our platform really place Western Union um, in a unique position where our physical agent network and all of our locations and our digital efforts really combine to serve that, that huge customer base. And then driving all this reinvention is a is a culture that really does believe that good ideas come from everywhere and a deep sense of purpose that connects us to what the really uh, the customers really want and need because that's what's most important is meeting their needs when they're ready. When it comes to money, it's something very sensitive to governments and I think regulatory bodies are always involved. I think we speak to the government regulatory bodies when we're talking about remittances, right? How does Western Union actually work with financial regulatory bodies across Asia-Pacific itself? Yeah, no, it's very important. And, and we work very collaboratively and in consultation with, with regulatory and law enforcement agents to, to really enable that collaboration amongst all the parties because uh, we're all working towards the thing, same thing, which is protection of the, the consumers using the payment systems. And Western Union commits uh, significant resources, uh, funding people, technology, uh, my time, uh, my team's time to really help fight fraud and help both agents and consumers protect themselves from falling victim to fraud because that's that's very important to us. It's evolving so we have to be ahead of the game and we're constantly uh, investing into our compliance assets to make sure that we are ahead of that. Yeah, in fact, compliance is a very important regulatory cost because it has very important repercussions to our brand if we fall short of that. I think something that a lot of uh, maybe younger companies do not appreciate that Exactly, exactly, exactly. I wanted to switch gears because I know you have done the digital side and you have also done the general management side. So I want to ask you a little bit more about the trends 
in remittances and fintech together, right? So maybe my first question to ask is, where do you see the current remittances market going and what are the key major trends pertaining to different parts of the world, maybe specifically in Asia itself? Yeah. So, you know, time was the first differentiator when you when you look at the money transfer space. It's really the driver of the market trends that we've been seeing globally. You know, when we launched Western Union, when we launched uh, Money in Minutes uh, decades ago, that was really a market disruptor. And it certainly didn't reflect the way the global banking systems operated at the time. So it was really our product and our proprietary systems that that drove that innovation. And today, the immediacy of services is an expectation no matter where customers are in the world. So that's going to continue uh, to be a driving factor. And then now you you fast forward and the financial sector really has, has seen more innovation in the last 10 to 15 years than we've seen in the last 100. You know, mobile wallets, contactless payments. Um, there's a mobile app for all forms of financial services uh, that are being launched all the time. They're not disruptors as much as it was just inevitable that that technology would enhance and, and the market evolution would catch up to the expectations of customers. Because now the average sm- smartphone has got you know, the computing force of, of you know, better than NASA had to, to send the first rocket to the moon. So it's, it's important that we continue to leverage that capability and, and put it into what it is we're doing because our customers really expect seamless connected service and and you know not just fast but they're expecting everything to be as fast as what they're getting with all the other digital apps that they have so we've got to be able to stay ahead of that and foresee what their expectations are going to be and drive the remittance market to that so as their needs have come up as wallets have have been evolving right we have to be there you know when you think about cryptocurrencies if those start to take off we need to be ready we need to be ready for you know from a technology perspective and we got to be ready from you know regulatory's got to be there but you constantly have to be looking for those trends where the customers are looking mm-hmm. and and close to what they're looking and needing and then make sure that you're ready you know to meet those needs and expectations so given the rise in fintech for the past few years and inherently is actually shaped by traditional services moving towards digital how does it shape your current perspective at least in thinking about say What's the relevance for Western Union in this new digital world then? Well, we at Western Union like to say we're the original fintech. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's true. It is. I mean, but we are, we're a 160-year-young startup. And, you know, with, a, with that kind of history dating back to 1851, we've learned a lot, right? And, and we've managed to maintain resilience and market position without sacrificing like our values and our our core customers by constantly reinventing the business. So that's really important. It's really our DNA, it's in our DNA to be disruptive. And and that's what's really allowed us to to be in this for for over 168 years and we know that within disruption really lies the seeds of opportunity. I think that's that's the most critical thing. And our once again, our vision is to be the leader in cross-border, cross-currency money transfer with a goal to enable consumers to transact cross-border when and where and, and how they want. So digital technology is really transforming the world, and we believe that no one should be left behind. So you got to be ahead of that curve. And like I said, innovation is hardwired into our DNA. And while we're known for our iconic retail locations, which is interestingly enough, 
more than all the Starbucks and McDonald's combined globally, but we're profoundly digital. And, you know, we were the first disruptor, but we continue to disrupt and disrupt ourselves because you've got to constantly invest in your technology, the technology backbone, such as big data and artificial intelligence to improve the customer experience and still deliver moving money with speed, scale and reliability. That's the most critical. And this is where it's interesting, right? Most of these new digital native fintech companies are now operating without the regulatory tax as compared to companies like yours. How does one think of competition with these new fintech companies that actually set to disrupt the space? But I think it's changing. Regulatory tax is coming for companies like Grab, Uber, Airbnb. So where do you see for Well, it's kind of exciting that the regulatory, a lot of regulatory environments are very open to the sandbox and to innovation because it is that innovation that helps drive the regulatory changes as well. And the money transfer is uh, space is highly competitive and we welcome it because this competition really encourages us to offer convenient, reliable and fast money transfer services that customers can depend on. And at the end of the day, competition is good for the overall industry. We certainly monitor competitive developments. I just spent three days in Malaysia. I'm constantly in the field and and seeing it for myself and better understanding what customers are looking for. And we continue to expand our digital presence uh, in combination with the retail network that we've already got. But building a a global brand and cross-border network that adheres to complex compliance requirements is challenging and time and capital intensive. You know, so really the the robust competition in this highly fragmented consumer-to-consumer money Transfer, transfer industry is there, and we compete with a variety of remittance providers, including global and regional money transfer companies, online money transfer service providers, banks, we've got post offices, and then the informal sector, which is critical. And this is interesting, right? For example, we used to be for uh, Alipay and WeChat Pay, they used to be operating without restrictions, but now restrictions have start kicking in, and all the advantages that they have are suddenly gone. And I think this is very interesting because Part of the strength of where Western Union is is still in lies in its distribution network and its access to what I call the unbanked, which I think a very big significant population of the world are not financially inclusive. What are your thoughts to how mobile wallets, I mean, there's Western Union, of course, then there is Alipay, there's WeChat Pay, and even regional players like Grab is now doing these. How are they going to move towards these mobile payments, remittance, and money transfer space? From your point of view, you know it's it's the rise of the super apps as we like to call them, mm. right? And and you're right, they're all looking to get into into this space, and and the payments landscape is evolving rapidly. Each you know jurisdiction with which they're operating in, some are advanced, some are not as advanced. But at the end of the day, they're they're addressing and you know the apps that they have and and adding different services on them. And money transfer happens to be one of those. Really, it's that conventional wisdom that technology is going to continue to disrupt financial services. And our experience still comes that innovation comes from these. And it's really interesting partnerships and integrations, collaborations that are going to help us as well. We've actually been fortunate. We've really teamed up with a lot of digital social platforms like Facebook, Viber, and WeChat to make money transfer available there and, and make them as intuitive as sending a text message. We learn from them as well, which is really exciting. But cross-border money transfer is challenging to the point I made earlier about the regulatory, and it's also costly. And Western Union already has the infrastructure in place to make it as seamless as possible for our customers 
and easily accessible across all channels. But that cross-border space does require navigating complexities up and down the payment stack. So this includes the geographic coverage, you know, last mile reach, liquidity and FX management and compliance, which really makes the prevalent solutions seem lacking in innovation. But regulation is the roadblock and everybody's got to overcome that. But it is the roadblock to innovation in the in the cross-border payments. And other, I, unlike other areas in fintech, cross-border payments by definition require businesses to operate globally. And that's immediately, right? That's what cross-border is. You need two sides of the transaction, which really introduces multinational regulatory requirements. So the time, money, and expertise and resources it takes to be able to adhere to the complex you know, multiple layers of regulation in both the originating and receiving markets is a tremendous challenge. So that's one advantage that we've got, but you know, that's something we always have to be ahead of as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think the underappreciation part is that most of these mobile wallets is actually very front end driven. When it comes to the back end, yes. it's powered by Western Union, right, right, because of the systems that's involved, and we are talking about billions of transfers happening yeah. across the world at different times of the. Of the day, so I think this is something that's still underappreciated in terms of when people come into fintech and say that they disrupt the space as well. But I, I just wanted to ask you this, since we are in the conversation of technology, what are your current views towards blockchain and its applications to remittance? We believe physical currency as we know it today is not going away. You know, cash is still the predominant form of payment in most of the developing world, and it is difficult to see that changing quickly. It's too early to predict the impact of virtual currency on the money transfer business. It, it, it really is, but but you've got to be studying it and as as it evolves. But as the company that invented the concept of digitizing money. A Western Union is, is well positioned to connect the cash and digital worlds for our consumers. And we will continue to leverage our capabilities where we where we see those opportunities. We're open to exploring new business opportunities, particularly those that give us the opportunity to offer more choices to cus- uh, our customers. So blockchain and cryptocurrency space is rapidly evolving. And we continue to explore possible applications for our business. As some examples, you know, we're piloting some settlement tests with Ripple. You know, for certain corridors, I think the U.S. dollar and the Mexican peso as is one example, and really learning about possible opportunities. Uh, the options that that we choose will need to be legitimate and widely acceptable for consumer use. The uh, another thing that we're doing as part of our exploration is uh, we've made an investment in Digital Currency Group. It's a fund that provides industry leading insights into blockchain and cryptocurrency space. So I think that's really exciting. So it's really about staying knowledgeable about advanced and uh, you know all these technologies and how they might be applicable to what you what we want to do. So many thanks, Molly, for coming on the show and of course. In closing, <laughs> I would like to ask you a few questions because I think you have educated us a lot on Western Union and also some of the trends in fintech, remittances, and even to blockchain as well. I want to ask you: Can you recommend a book, movie, podcast, or anything that recently made an impact in your life? Oh, this is always a good one, Verna. <laughs> I'd like to say, I'll, I'll say it's one of your podcasts. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, I, you know, I don't have a lot of free time in this job. But the one thing I do make time for is my mental health, and and that really is all about staying fit, and it's so important for the, the the pace at which, uh, you know, especially being in this APAC region early morning calls, late night calls, the travel that's required. So I've been really focused on a book called Younger Next Year. And it, um, I'm, I'm giving away my age now a little too. Uh, but it's really all about what we need to be doing to fight the decay and to stay really in great shape mentally, physically, 
And I think it's just really important that, that we be fit mentally and physically. And it's really one of those that has helped remind me as I age that I need to continue to stay just as active. And, and that's just been one that I, I go to often right now to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to um, remain fit so I can stay in this job for many years to come. You're very fit and you look very young, Molly. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bernard. Yes. I just need my voice to come back. <laughs> How do my audience find you? Oh, they can they, they can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter. I believe those are the easiest ways. Molly Shea at Western Union. And you can find me at Bernard Leung. Just Google me. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Himalaya. And of course, tweet to us and give us your feedback. And just remember to give us a five-star rating on iTunes for Discovery and also a star on Overcast and Pocketcast. And we have recently launched our audience survey and we would love to to have your feedback, good or bad, or everywhere else. So uh, once again, Molly, many thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Bernard. Really, really, really had fun.